Welcome to Other You, a podcast where we discuss a decision in our lives that may or may not have had a long-lasting impact. We unpack some of the factors behind it and then explore in short story form what the other version of ourselves might have experienced around that time or shortly thereafter. I'm your host, Dee. Let's see where this story takes us. Welcome back to another episode of Other You. I'm your host, D, and today on the show, I have an indigenous artist from Saskatchewan, Canada. Now, she focuses on visual art, but she's also a very accomplished and talented singer. Okay, her passion is inspiring. She's even quoted as saying, through art, we can educate and achieve unity through community. Please welcome to the show, Brandy Jones. Hi. <laughs> All right, just let's pretend that there's a whole studio audience cheering you on right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so excited to have you on the show. Thank you so much for being a part of this. Thank yeah, you. thank you so much for having me oh, here. Oh, for, sure, for sure. I'm really happy to be here today. Excellent. Excellent. How how are things going for you? The spring is upon us. Um, being being up in Canada, what is spring like typically for you guys? Amazing. Because yeah. we, like, uh, I think probably three weeks before spring hit for us, it was minus 55 That's where disgusting. I live. So it gets like you get locked inside so that minus seven is not bad (laughs) (laughs) all right yeah man minus 55 what does that even feel like does it does it does it hurt your like the your inner parts everything like your bones are do they shiver or does it like is there a certain point where it's just so cold or you're like i i just can't feel it anymore everything is numb. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think after living here for as long as I have, I'm I'm actually really used to it and I feel like it gives you really thick skin. Okay. And it definitely hurts. Like it hurts. Mm, yeah. I can only <laughs> Yeah, imagine. like you you just try not to be out like at all as wow. much as you possibly can. Okay. Okay. So, uh tell us a little bit about your art. I've I've seen some of your pieces. Uh follow her on Instagram, Brandy Jones, Indigenous Artist. Her stuff's really good. You can find a lot of it there. Uh, Tell us a little bit about your art, please. Okay, so this for me, like this is very important, the meaning behind my art actually. Mm -hmm. Um, So I spent the first uh, 12 years of my life in British Columbia. Mm -hmm. And out in British Columbia, they're very famous, like for Salish and Haida and Inuit art. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was like extremely influenced um, by those types of art. And then when I was 12, I moved out to Saskatchewan and I started seeing like a lot of Métis art Mm -hmm. and I just was in love with it. I've been trying to draw native artwork since I was in grade five. Mm. And so what I did is I took, um, for me as a person, I'm, I'm really about, um, uniting people. Um, so what I did is I took, uh, all four of those styles of art and I mashed them into my own style. And then I used the colors to represent every nation. Um, so I just, because, um, indigenous people have been like their, like our culture was really dismantled in so many ways. For me, I look at our people as just one nation now, Mm. um, because we're all so like spread out and there's so many people that, um, are just finding their way back. Hmm. Um, so it just meant a lot to me to maybe make something that represented unity for Indigenous people. Awesome. I love it. Mm-hmm. I love it. The, I, the most recent thing that I saw that you had worked on, you um, you put some art on some mugs. 
And you like, you burned through all of them, right? I did in a day and a half. Wow. It like, I still uh, have some deliveries to do. Mm -hmm. um, but I, yeah, I did not sleep for 24 hours. I don't think. <laughs> Fulfilling orders. Yeah, it was really good. It was, it was really cool to try something different. Nice. That's one of the, one of the fun things about being the distribution center for your own art, right? Is, mm -hmm. is when it hits, you're like, oh, great. And then for like two days straight, you're like packaging boxes <laughs> and stuffing things and writing lovely notes and back and forth to, you know, the post. <laughs> oh, absolutely. A, yeah, that's always fun. And like in the moment, every now and again, you have those like, oh, this is so dumb. I hate this. I hate this. But when you're done, you're like, oh, that was so satisfying. I'm so happy yeah. I got to experience that, you know? Yeah, I was, I was satisfied with every moment because I didn't, I, I didn't know I took a risk, mm -hmm. um, in doing that because I wanted to, I I've been trying to find other ways to support myself as an artist. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you have to spend money to make that money. So yeah. I, I took the last of what I literally had in my bank, mm -hmm. which I needed for bills and I sure. spent it on coffee mugs. <laughs> <laughs> nice. nice. Yeah. And it turned out. So I'm Great. thankful that I accepted the risk. Yeah. 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 One of the things I think um, for artists that's hard is remembering that we have to invest in ourselves like mm -hmm. every step of the way. You have to invest in yourself over and over Absolutely. and over and over yeah. again. And it, it gets tough, you know, because I think one of the one of the hilarious things about being a creator is how much self-doubt we go through, you know? <laughs> Just all the time, like, oh, I'm terrible. I, why am I doing this? Nobody likes my stuff. What am I doing? You know, you just go through that. But, you know, you get the validation from when you create it and you present and people are like, oh, this is amazing. This is incredible. I want to buy it. You're like, oh, that's that's right. That's why I do this. That's why I do this, you know, to share things with people. Yeah. And, you know, and so yeah, another thing. Uh, oh, sorry. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Another thing, one. Yeah, another thing um, that I've been working really hard on too, like that. It's just been a crazy month, actually. Mm -hmm. um, but I've been doing like illustrating um, a children's book as well. Oh wow, fun. Yeah, and so what I'm doing is I'm I'm taking from all nations, mm -hmm. um, and I, I am basically just translating like um, an oral story. Uh, that's been passed down from generation to generation and I want to do um, like a series of these books for different nations so I started with Inuit because that's part of my heritage mm -hmm. and yeah I, I'm just really excited for it like, wow that's that sounds awesome I, I can't yeah. wait till it's done I'm, I'm very excited about this I'm very excited yeah so am I I'm like down to there was 15 pages to do and I'm on my I think I have five left right now. That's amazing. That's yes, so amazing. yeah, it's been a lot of work, Fun. a lot, a lot of hours. That's yeah, yeah, a lot of hours. Right on. That's excellent. Um, that's so exciting. That's so exciting. Oh, cool beans. All right, so let's go ahead and transition into what was your decision? What was that moment in your life where you made a choice, or life made the choice for you, that you have seen the impact until this day? What, what was that for you? The day my son got taken away. Okay. Like yeah. by protective services or was kidnapped? No, by CPS. Okay. Yeah. So child protective services. Okay. Yeah. 
that's the day that I chose that I wanted to get sober. <laughs> okay. Okay. The day you chose to become sober. Okay. So what, um, tell us about what happened on that day. Oh my God. Um, yeah. So I'm just trying to think here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was about two years ago and I used to drink like every single day. I started drinking, I think when I was around 15 mm. and it like over time, like my partying and everything was crazy. And I kind of slowed down when I first had him. He was two when he got taken away. Mm. And yeah, I, I tried to drink myself into oblivion. Like, I think I was trying to kill myself and I just, I really didn't care about myself. And it wasn't that I didn't love my son mm -hmm. and my husband. Um, but I, I was trying to find ways to cope, mm. um, with the things that were going on in my heart. And I have always had a heart for people. So this, this is a crazy story. I'm going to warn you. Okay. Um, so I decided like my son was in bed one night and my husband was sleeping. So I was like, oh, I'm going to go down this, this street for a drink. So, um, I ended up going to a different bar after that one. And there was this guy there and he didn't have anywhere to sleep. And I ended up taking him like home so he could sleep in the back of this sounds ridiculous, but in the back of, um, one of my vehicles and my husband came out and he's like, you know, what the hell are you doing? Mm -hmm. And so <laughs> they ended up getting into like a fist fight and he ended up taking off. The cops came and I was belligerent and not listening to what they had to say. Mm -hmm. And so it took three of them to get me into a, the back of a vehicle. Wow. And like, I think <laughs> I kicked that tank like for two hours because I was so upset when they told me they were taking my son. Wow. Um, and my son did end up going with my husband, but like the next day, and it was only five hours later, thank God. But the next mm. day I woke up in that tank and I was wondering why my spouse hadn't picked me up. And, um, I remember calling him and he just told me that was it. And it was like, everything was, was taken away from me in that moment. I remember going into his room. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I, I just remember being on the floor and just screaming and it, there was a portion after that, that I, I still drank for a while and I still just kind of wallowed in myself. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I, I just had to start taking a look at myself and I really didn't like what I saw. I didn't it was like a year that everybody decided to say like the worst things to me, hmm. tell me how they felt about me. Right. And yeah, it was just really crazy, but I looked at myself and I really, I really didn't like what I saw. I didn't like how I felt. I didn't like anything about myself. Mm -hmm. And I decided I wanted to be better if I was ever going to get my family back. Hmm. How long from that point until uh, you were reunited with your, your husband and son? A year. I spent a year almost all by myself. Wow. Yeah. I didn't really have, um, there was nobody around. There was one girl 
Um, this one old friend that I had, she would come and she would check on me and see if I was okay. And I'll always remember her for that mm. uh, because that's part of why I do what I do now um, in the way that I encourage people because people are just messed up. It yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that they're bad all the time. I yeah. don't think everybody's good, but um, I think it's so important to let people know that they can get better and that they can be better and they can strive to be better every single day and that it's okay to feel like shit. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And, the, but you guys are all reunited now. Yeah, we are. He ended up uh, coming back a year later. Mm -hmm. Oh, it hits me a little bit when I talk about this, but yeah, it, it's just a feeling that never goes away. It still feels fresh when I talk about it to mm -hmm. this day. And it's, it's, I'm going into my third year past that. Yeah. And I wake up and I'm thankful every single day, like things in my life, in my family life have changed an incredible amount mm -hmm. um, because of the decisions that I decided to make. And I could have ended up, I could have ended up very differently. It could have been very different. There's so many times that I've almost died because um, I, I used to dabble like a lot with different drugs too. Mm -hmm. And I've OD'd twice. Like there's sometimes I wake up and I'm just like, how did you get here? Because I don't recognize that person that I was before. And I can't, there's some parts of me that can't relate to who that person was anymore, mm -hmm. which is fantastic in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What were, what were the biggest helps to you during that year by yourself? So you said you mentioned a friend that would periodically come around to check on you. What were some of the other major things that helped you get through that time to a place mindset. where you could mindset mindset? Yeah. Like you have to totally change, um, your mindset and the way that you, you're thinking about yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, because I refuse to say bad things about myself. Um, mm -hmm. and you just, you just have to find healthy ways to get through the bad days, like going for a run or exercising, or I think actually one of the biggest ones is, um, talking about what you're ashamed of. Uh, because it loses its power when you say it out loud and you just put it out there. Yeah. Um, because it's like, Hey, now they know, um, you know, like I don't feel so ashamed anymore and yeah. it really does. It helps release something when you talk about what's bothering you. Mm -hmm. And that's where a lot of people I used, I used to implode a lot. And I just wouldn't talk about all of the things that made me feel ashamed. And once I started just saying it and I was like, you know, I don't care anymore. Who knows this? Everybody already hates me. Mm -hmm. All of the things that I was like the most scared would ever happen, happened. Mm -hmm. It just seemed like so pointless to try and be this person for everybody that they wanted me to be. Mm -hmm. And it just was so exhausting. Like you can't, you can't live like that, like inauthentic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. like you can only really be who you are at the end of the day. Do you have like a different mask for everybody that you put on, you know? Right. I mean, to a certain measure, I think 
we go through stages of masking uh, to deal with certain things that we're struggling with or that mm-hmm. we are mm-hmm. not proud of about ourselves. So we mask in certain scenarios. But the idea of having a different mask for everybody, I'm sure that's exhausting and like just difficult to keep track of, you know. Absolutely. It really, really is yeah. so exhausting. I really love what you said, though, about talking about what you're ashamed of. Because uh, I agree with you. I think when we are holding on to shame, and even just by accident, we don't know it's shame, right? We just mm-hmm. know that people say, hey, you're bad, and we believe it. Or we say to ourselves, hey, you're bad, and we believe it, right? And so we hold on to that. We put it on like a jacket, and we take it everywhere we go. Uh, but talking about it, it helps us to release that, right? And mm-hmm. the more we talk about it, the more we can realize that, no, nah, I am not bad. And maybe I did a bad thing or maybe I did something that this person doesn't like, but I'm not bad because of it. Right. I'm not Absolutely. condemned to, you know, bad personhood for the rest of my life because of a, a single thing that I did. Right. And that's not to say that some of the things we do brand us as that. Right. If you kill somebody, you're a killer. You know, if you steal somebody, steal something, you're a thief, that sort of thing. Uh, but I mean, sometimes we say stuff that's hurtful. Right. Now, am I a bad Mm -hmm. person forever because I said something that's hurtful? I don't think so. But the weight that we put on ourselves as a result of the things that we do, I feel, impairs our ability to grow. Yes. Yes, absolutely. To make better choices in the future and stuff. So I love that you said that. I love that you said that. Okay. So you said you had OD'd twice. Mm-hmm. Um, was that when you were younger or was that in around the time? And let's say we'll, we'll talk about the six months up until leading until that night um, where uh, you were arrested and then your husband and son, uh, like your son was taken away and your husband and son um, left you to figure things out. In those six months, was one of the times you OD'd in that time? Um, yes, actually. Okay. I was working in the summer. Um, the second time... You know, like I was just being really careless because I didn't, I don't know, it it was with morphine. And I just, I honestly, the second time wasn't really paying attention. And I liked the way that it made me feel. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I, oh my God, I'm, like I said, I'm so lucky to be here. Mm -hmm. Because I remember feeling really strange in the afternoon and my um, husband dropped my son off with me and I hit the deck twice, like mm. seizured out. And then, so I made him come back right away. Cause he was about a block away and I was just like, yeah, I'm not feeling so good. Mm-hmm. And so he took me to the hospital. And as soon as I got out of the truck, I projectiled like five times. And then I was like a mess after that. I was just shaky. Mm. Um, and I think that was probably the biggest wake up call for me after that. I was just like, you know, I am not ready to go. And uh, like, I, why were you being so careless? Yeah. And not paying attention to that because I'd never had like something prescribed that strong. I've never really taken, like I've taken a lot of drugs, but I not prescription like that. Mm-hmm. And so I just like, I, I hardly even use Tylenol anymore. Like I don't like using, I, I don't like using anything like that anymore. Right. And I refuse to touch it because I'm I'm not careless anymore. And I I care about myself and my life. 
Um, and the first time is is when I was a bit younger with ecstasy. Okay. And um, that's when I was quite a bit younger, and that's just an extremely dangerous drug. Like you don't know if you're gonna get something bad, you know? Yeah. Like you're kind of just if you're off, you know, you're off with a bunch of kids that are kind of feeling the same way in a lot of ways as you mm-hmm. trying to escape. And so you're that's you know, again too, that's just being careless with your life too, mm-hmm. though. Yeah. It's it's the not caring about yourself and what happens to you and just wanting to feel good in the moment, you know? Yeah. And I when you look at all of it, really it's it's just a way to try and cope <laughs> again. Mm-hmm. This is true. So husband son um off the air we were talking before this you had mentioned a sister right Mm -hmm. Uh, do you have any other siblings yes yes so there's there's basically two generations of us my mom has six children and then i also have uh one stepsister so like my sisters and i Mm -hmm. my two sisters there's three of us the Mm -hmm. older ones um we were born first and then 18 years later my um the other three came in and then i also found out that i had a sister um that i just met a couple years ago uh biologically as well wow yeah so lots of siblings (laughs) okay but you you grew up with there were three of you when you were growing there yeah i grew up with two sisters okay okay and then are you pretty close with them I would say so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, did you, did you have a job outside of making art at this time? No, no, no. I like when COVID hit, I had to quit my job because, um, I had to stay home with my son mm-hmm. and that's when I decided I was actually going to school to try and become a paramedic before this because I've always wanted to do something to help people. Okay. And yeah, when COVID hit and I was working, I was going to school for five days a week and then the three days of the week from Friday to Sunday, I was working. So I was going about seven days a week. Oh, wow. Yeah. And it was really rough. Mm -hmm. Um, But when COVID hit, I had, I kind of like re-examined what I was doing. Mm -hmm. And... I realized I wouldn't have been able to even see my family for like all that, that time there because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you know, I just got my family back. Like, what am I doing? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't want to, that's not something I'm not willing to give something that precious up. Right. And so I always avoided becoming an artist because I knew how much work it would be, but it ended up being more work trying to find a job that I was happy at. Mm. Okay. What, what was the job you were working um, in the time leading up to the that night that your son was taken? Mm, where was I? I was working in a restaurant. restaurant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I was working in a restaurant where there was a bar. Mm-hmm. And I, wait, was I? That was so long ago, I feel like. Yeah. It was, it was in one restaurant or another. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Working at a restaurant. Um, did you have any hobbies? 
Oh, I have a lot of, we- I'm so weird. I have a lot of weird little hobbies. Yeah. Okay. So what, what were some of the hobbies that you spent your time doing, uh, at that time? And well, uh, give me a year. What, what year was this that all of this happened? 2018? Yes. Yeah. It would be around 2018. Okay. So what hobbies did you have in 2018? So, you know what? I like, I have a lot of hobbies now, but back then I wouldn't have even given my hobbies a time of day. Really? Yeah. Because I was, I was such a mess uh, throughout my addiction that it just kind of took over my entire life. Um, so art is something that I, I have always done habitually. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I like, I always, I collect a lot of weird little things. Yeah. What's the weirdest <laughs> like stuff thing from nature, collect? like feathers. And okay. I have like, um, a nice coin collection Ooh. that I've been working on for a few years. Rocks. Okay. Like, uh, actually the weirdest one is I will buy music boxes at Salvation Army, take apart the whole thing and take the little music box out of it and keep that. <laughs> Really? <laughs> I told you it's weird. I love that. I love that. Music boxes, yeah. but, ju- but 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 just the little centerpiece. Yeah, just just the little like the thing that makes music because yeah. it it looks so amazing. Like I don't know whoever figured out how to put one of those together. Right. Oh man, that's so funny. That's so funny. I love that. <laughs> I, well, yeah, I get music boxes and then I, I rip them apart and I just take out the heart and I keep the heart of the music box yeah pretty much <laughs> <laughs> okay um what kind of music did you listen to what was 20 2018 brandy what was she into oh man um that that's a hard one too because I'm so eclectic okay and my emotions are extremely attached to music okay um, so like, I don't, I get goosebumps when I listen to music and it's like, I just feel it. I don't know how to explain it, mm-hmm. but it depends on the mood I'm in. Like if I, like, I really like classical, I, I like a lot of like rap, Okay. um, a lot of acoustic stuff, a lot of like blues and jazz. Like, it just depends how I feel. Like it's really it's really all over the map. Yeah. I'm with you on that. So having dabbled with so many musical instruments, uh, I think the the music that I listen to is impacted by which instrument is motivating me at that moment. Right. Mm-hmm. So uh, acoustic folk, um, a lot of like singer songwriter stuff when I'm, when I'm focusing on guitar, funk yep. and jazz, when I'm focusing on drums or percussion and then also funk, but Anything with like a heavy bass rhythm, if I'm messing around with a bass, you know, and then like I have mm-hmm. a couple of like wind instruments here in the house. So every now and again, I'll, I'll listen to uh, either Japanese flutes or I'll try to listen to indigenous musicians that are playing the flutes if I'm messing around with those uh, wind instruments. And it like it totally impacts like my playlists and stuff, like what instrument mm-hmm. I'm playing around with. So. I, I can totally dig that. Being an emotional listener, I'm into it. Yes. Yeah. I'm into yeah. It. I think it's always been that way. Like yes. I, it just always has, like sometimes I'll stick um, my YouTube on just one song and then let it play. And I'm always trying to find something new mm-hmm. to listen to. Nice. Yeah. Right on. Um, 
what was what was at that time and i know it's tough um when you're when you're in a place um like you were did you have a plan for the future were you thinking like okay in the next five years these are some things that i want to get done or were you focused more on right now i just want to go get a drink i'm gonna go have some fun right now and just living day by day to be honest i just didn't want to be alive wow okay yeah i i there was some pretty rough things um I guess that I've experienced some trauma and stuff. And mm -hmm. I, yeah, until I had my son, I, I didn't, I didn't want to be a, alive. I really hated myself a lot. Mm. Like so much. I, I just really hated myself. Okay. And then not, this probably won't be a part of the story, but when was the day? Tell, tell me about the day where you realized I love myself. Hmm. What was that day like for you? I'm trying to think. Because I feel like it's something that happened gradually. Okay. Like once once I started getting sober, um, I started my head got a lot clearer. Okay. And I, I started to realize what it looked like to value myself. Okay. And it, it wasn't, it was like a million small things I feel like over time. And eventually I just got to this place where I was just like, you know, like I'm effing awesome. <laughs> you know, yes. like I have, I have these cool gifts yeah. like to give to people and you know, like I just, I just wanted to like it. It was the day that I realized I had a lot of love to give. Okay. You know, instead of looking for that love, I I got more desperate to give that instead of receive it. Yeah, because in that moment, if you if you're coming to terms with the fact that you have this abundance of love to give to people, you're you're a people, right? You're a person. You can love yourself. Mm -hmm. I'm into that. I, I appreciate that very much. So glad to. Yeah, it, it's it's so important because I sometimes I just look back and I I wish I could tell that little girl growing up that it was going to be okay. Yeah. And it, I don't know. I I just look around and it's like the more people that I see, it's like people are so worried about what other people are thinking about you, but really they're usually like thinking about themselves more mm -hmm. and a lot of the times it's not good what they're thinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What were your hopes and dreams for life in outside of dealing with those moments where you just did not want to be alive? What were some of the, the hopes and dreams? And I'm, and what I mean by hopes and dreams is like, this is, like those scenarios where I could just have whatever I want. This is where the fairies live, where the unicorns prance, the stars. Oh my goodness. I've had, I've had too many. Okay. So around 2018, 2018 Brandy, what, what were you dreaming of for yourself at that moment? Um, so I guess I really always just wanted the basic things a lot, like to just be happy and to have a family and 
have good friends Mm -hmm. and some stability but I also I've always had dreams about um being an amazing artist okay um I always wanted to advocate for people Mm -hmm. um that are marginalized uh because I think when you just don't feel seen sometimes Mm -hmm. um that was one other one too I just I wanted to be seen for who I was um, not for what people thought I was. Yeah. Um, and then also just something to help people. Like I've always, I just had something in me that has always wanted to just help. And so I didn't, I didn't exactly know what that looked like. Hmm. And yeah, that's, I, I've just wanted to make a difference in people's lives. That's, that's probably one of the only dreams that I think I've ever had. I didn't know exactly what that looks like. Mm-hmm. But that's something I've always wanted. Okay. Were you uh, quirky at all? Do you have any quirks? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah? Okay. Oh, yeah. I'm so weird. I'm so goofy. I love it. Tell, tell me. Like, what... I've, all, that's, I've just always kind of been that way. Like, I, I don't know. I maybe have, like, a dry sense of humor, but I, I just love to try and make people feel at home, I guess. Okay. So t- tell me one, tell me one of your favorite quirks about yourself. Little um, weird little things that people do. I, I just like that. I'm a goof. I don't know. I just like to do what's not like on my mind a lot of the time. And, um, I'm not really so concerned about like what people are thinking. So like if I'm out with my friends or something and, they like I remember this one time I was out with uh, a couple of my girlfriends and they she was like going on about how she like felt fat okay and so I just like we're just we'll just be like sitting there and I just like whipped out my little like side hang you know where you got that <laughs> flab and I was just like kind of dancing it around <laughs> nice. so I'm just like what does it matter like all of us have a little bit of flab on us you yeah. know and just things like that. Like I, I really like to try and make feel people feel better about what they think is awful, but it's really not, you know. Yeah. Well, a little side flap. That's hilarious. As an indigenous person, uh, off the air, we were talking, uh, and you had mentioned you were adopted young by uh, a white family. Did you, did you grow up identifying with your indigenous roots or was that something that took time to uh kind of walk in yeah so i was adopted like my my mom was always like she always stayed with us Mm -hmm. but we were adopted into my stepdad's family um so they they were all very like Mm fair-skinned and um (laughs) it was weird because it was like I always knew that we looked different growing up than everybody. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was another girl in the family that had been adopted in and she was native. And when I was really little, I remember meeting her and I was just like, oh my gosh, like she looks like me, <laughs> you know? And I was always like really uh, drawn to the culture, but I didn't know anything about it. My mom, um, she didn't really have like a way, I, I don't think to like let us be around that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, it was like, like I would watch my friends growing up in native families and stuff like that. And 
there was so many times I didn't feel like I fit into being native. And then I also didn't fit into being white hmm. and it, it left me feeling really confused. Yeah. <laughs> and like ever since I was a kid, I was always really, really drawn. Like I said, I've been trying to draw native art since I was in grade five and I was always really drawn to my culture, but I didn't, I didn't know how to learn about any of it. Hmm. And so I feel like because I didn't, um, I wasn't able to learn about that. Like it, it kind of messed with my identity a bit. Okay. Um, but at the same time, like uh, now I just take it as a unique perspective and I see that I can relate, um, to like the culture I grew up in and also like learning a lot myself about um, my own indigenous culture, like it's, it's really neat because I, like, I just feel like I, I have two different sides that I can see. And I think it's very helpful in a lot of ways. Mm. How do you, how do you celebrate the different sides of you? Um, well, I, you know, like, I think it's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to, you have to honor that. Um, because this kind of goes back to like the, how native are you thing? Yeah. And I have just honored what I've been able to learn and what I keep learning. Mm -hmm. Like I, I smudge, that's not actually something that was originally Inuit, but it's something that I grew up around in Saskatchewan a lot. Okay. And it was actually like, it's been adopted by Inuit people and Métis people as well. Um, but like I'll, I just smudged with my sister's house the other day mm -hmm. and, um, I honor it with my artwork. Okay. Uh, tell us a little bit about smudging. There, there's four different types, like yeah. there's cedar, sage, okay. and sorry, I can't remember the other two off the top of my head right now. Okay. So, um, but there's, four there's four different things and they all offer different things. Mm -hmm. Like my sister, um, she had a, a cedar bundle and so... I smudged a little bit of sage and a little bit of uh, cedar and the cedar is for protection. Mm -hmm. And um, the sage is actually what most people use. Right. White sage. That's like the most right? commonly well-known one. Yeah. Yeah. And that's just to cleanse your house. Okay. So for protection mm -hmm. and for cleansing. And so each of them serves a specific purpose, right? Each of the different yes, smudgings. Yeah. Okay. And then, so you light them and then do you just kind of like bathe in the smoke of that or what exactly yeah, is? With uh, sage, not always. Sometimes I'll, I'll bathe it. It's like for your eyes uh, to see good things, for your heart uh, to feel good things, for your ears to hear good things. And it... I don't know. It's just very calming, I find. Mm -hmm. And then there is a lot of times, like, I'll just light it and walk through um, your house with it. And you just, you let it flow through your house. Mm -hmm. And um, for me, it was just, it it's something that feels very connecting. Mm -hmm. Because I think at one point, that's something that they tried to remove from our heritage. Mm -hmm. So to be able to do something like that freely now... Mm -hmm in itself makes me feel connected to my heritage. Awesome. So it's, it's just, and I mean, it, it's different for, for everybody. Mm -hmm. um, but that, that's one thing that I found makes me feel connected to who I am. 
And then how do you how do you celebrate the other part of you, the 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 white part? How do you celebrate that? I don't know. I I guess I I just live kind of with the culture that I grew up. Okay. Like I I just all around feel like I I celebrate who I am as a person and I don't dishonor either part of me. Mm-hmm. Um because that's so important to accept like who you are. Like I've actually one thing that really bothers me is I've had so many white people come up to me and they apologize to me um, for like what the government has done. And I'm just like, you know, like this isn't really your apology to make. What they did is not your shame. Mm-hmm. You know, those were just people from the past and they weren't good people. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what I mean, like by having both um, sides and being able to like grow up like that, it's like I can have that empathy and not be angry. Mm-hmm. Um, because these people, first of all, they obviously feel um, very sad for what happened, and that's being an ally. Mm-hmm. Um, so really, like I just I honor those sides because I have love for both. Okay. there's there's a lot of beauty, and yeah, it's like it's not <laughs> there's so much beauty behind like the white cultures as well. like I, there's a bit of Irish and mm-hmm. Um, like European, like there's beautiful culture uh, there as well. And it's all rich history, not just one side. Right. Okay. I'm into it. I'm into it. I, I think um, it's trendy to demonize, you know, white things, right? To demonize mm-hmm. white culture, especially because the idea of like in the Americas, white culture Right. It doesn't have a history. It's an amalgamation of a bunch of established cultural groups that got together Mm -hmm. that tend to look like each other. And then but all those years ago during the building of the nations here on this this continent, um, it it became the us versus them. And the us is just everyone that looked alike. So the, the whiteness of the Americas, it was literally just. Well, you're you're light enough to not be those things, those those, not things, but those those other peoples, you know. Mm-hmm. So we, we kind of lose out. Yeah, it on, causes division. Yeah, yeah, and we we lose out on you know whatever culture, the being in Canadian or in in Canada or being in the United States, what that might have become, right? Especially if you're merging all of these other European cultures into one, but it it, mm-hmm. it just never quite happened, right? All of them still they retain their identity, you know? So it's, it's pretty trendy to just demonize whiteness because of that. Mm-hmm. But I, I really appreciate well, that you're, instead of doing that, you're not, you know, shaming any part of you that you're willing to. No, exactly. Yeah. And it's like, it's also important to me because like my husband is white and my son, he has native in him, but physically he's got like blonde hair and blue eyes. Mm-hmm. And I never, I don't ever want him um, to ever feel ashamed of who he is either. Mm-hmm. And so he needs he needs to see that we're proud of who we are as well. Right. Right on. So you said there's, um, in your um, familial history, there's Irish, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah, we actually, we my mom got us um, one of those DNA kits mm-hmm. this year, like a 23andMe. Nice. 
And for me, that was actually amazing because I, I, I only met my father a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and he was adopted. I'm pretty sure, um, the more that like the more research we do, I think he might've been part of the 60 scoop. Okay. Um, Cause he was born in 1969 and they went and they took children from their families, little, uh, Indian kids mm-hmm. from their families. And he was adopted in they all actually went to mainly white families. So he got adopted into um, a white family with a little Cree girl too. Hmm. And they were just babies when they were taken. So um, that's actually led me to maybe finding um, my biological family. Mm -hmm. And then also there was some things I didn't know, like the Native American was kind of cool to find out about. Um, The Irish I already knew about, the Finnish I knew about. And there's like a couple small things in there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was neat to see all sides. Like everybody is extremely mixed. Um, so I, it was really cool because like, I even have a lot of, I, I've always admired, um, Irish history too. And, uh, seeing the struggles that they've been through and just, uh, loving them as people. I've worked with some Irish people too. And yeah, that, that's really, really cool to see all parts and, like what you're made up of as a person for sure yeah i love that um you know what i think i think we have we have a lot here that we can build a story around um for everybody listening this is to reiterate where uh part of the 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 journey in in creating the story is examining where life was and where it could have gone. So we know where it did go. She decided enough is enough and she left that life behind and she's walking in all these measures of power and beauty and excellence and, and connected to her family and to herself. Uh, so we're going to explore life had she not. I mean, we're going to dive into it and and we're gonna be respectful to um who she is but also we're gonna respect the process of creating a story that really examines life as it could have been and that's that's exciting and terrifying at the same time but uh thank you so much it's another reason to keep me thankful yeah thank you so much uh brandy for sharing your story with us i'm very excited to write your story uh but for right now we're gonna take a quick break we'll listen to a little bit of music and when we come back we're gonna hear the story of other brandy stick around
welcome back. I hope you enjoyed that little bit of musical interlude. Um, I'd like to reiterate my guest today. It is uh, Brandy Jones. If you'd like to follow her on social media, please look her up on Instagram, TikTok, and she has a Facebook like, like page. All of them are identical. Brandy Jones, Indigenous Artist. All together, all one word, Brandy Jones, Indigenous Artist. That being said, uh, tell us a little bit about some of the art that you do. So my indigenous artwork, what I did um, is I was inspired by four different types of artwork mm -hmm. um, and they're all indigenous styles. So I grew up for the first uh, 12 years of my life in BC Okay. and there's a lot of Salish work out there and Haida and mm -hmm. it was really, really inspiring to me as a kid. Mm. And when I got a little older, we moved out um, to the plains and I noticed like there was such a different style out here and it was Métis and the Inuit I also saw a lot of in BC. Mm -hmm. So what I did was I mashed all four of those styles together into one to kind of make my own. Mm. Um, and then all of the colors, like if you look at a lot of regalia and um, a lot of the outfits that are made in Indigenous cultures, uh, they're all made with like very bright colors. So I used that um, to re represent every nation mm -hmm. and what my art means is unity essentially. Wow among indigenous people right on yes awesome. yeah yeah her stuff's really good check her out buy some of her stuff if she has it for sale it, it's high <laughs> yes, quality please yeah <laughs> excellent excellent are you ready for your story yeah yeah i've been ready i i've just been waiting ever since you said that you had it ready yeah awesome all right so for everyone listening full disclosure um a lot of my stories have a lot of upbeat moments to them. This one, it really taps into the darkness that we feel when we are feeling among our most desperate in those moments. So just bear in mind, this is a story that's, that's rooted in that, exploring what life might have been like for her had she chosen not to get sober. Okay? So here it goes. Other brandy. Let me out, you bastards. Let me out. Brother ah! Brandy pounds on the door to the drunk tank with the side of her fists until they are bruised. Unafraid and disconnected from the pain, she continues pounding into the crunch, chipping bones in her hand. She furiously kicks at the metal plate at the base of the door, kicking and screaming until she worked herself up into such a frenzy she begins foaming at the mouth as she spits through, through the demands to be set free. After hours of pounding, screaming, spitting, she begins hyperventilating and quickly finds her place face down on the floor. Other Brandy's eyes slowly pry themselves open. Pulling apart eyelashes fused to crystallized tears, she squints in the bright lights of the hospital room her hands bandaged and on fire. Her body pulsates in pain. Due to her history of substance abuse, the medical staff offers little more than naproxen. Mother Brandy howls in agony. Belabored breathing musters short cries for help. She remains alone. Fresh tears well in her eyes and climb over the remnants of so many that came before them, streaming down her face, bathing her cheeks, regaling the room with the stories of her pain. Her heart beats in her chest, slowly. Her voice fails her, and no screams escape her lips. 
Darkness fills the room and the light in her eyes goes out as the night rolls in. Days pass. Mother Brandy exits the taxi and nods a silent thank you to the driver and shuffles slowly to her front door. She taps gently against the door with her toes, the throbbing in her hands persisting. There's no response. She calls out, Babe, are you home? Nothing. With her teeth, she peels back the bandage on one hand and reaches into her pocket to retrieve her keys. Wincing in pain, she struggles to finger the ring and yank them from her pants. Babe, she, she tries again. Please, help me with the door. My hands, they're broken. She hears the lock on the door handle click. It turns and the door opens. Her husband stands, babe in arms, and a bag over his shoulder. Huh, you're back. I'm leaving. We're leaving. Don't call us. Don't follow us. What are you saying? You can't leave me and take my baby. No, she argues. Resolute, he responds, I already have. My stuff is gone. I don't know why I waited for you to get home. You here by yourself or do you have a friend who needs to crash again? That's not fair. I was trying to do something nice. I, I was drunk. Oh, you were drunk. Is that some kind of excuse? You really are ridiculous. I'm not doing this with you. He continues. Goodbye. You need to figure your shit out. He sidesteps other brandy and makes his way to his car, loads the bag and the baby, and drives off without ever looking back. Other brandy wails in the doorway of her home. Their home. The place they decorated and furnished together. Their forever home. Now a husk with little more than a mattress on the floor and memories scratched into the floor where their dinner table and chairs used to be. Scuffs on the wall where the couch used to sit. Tan lines where their family photos hung. Rings on the windowsills where their favorite plants used to bathe in the brief stints of sunlight during the summer months in frigid Regina. She makes her way into the empty front room, quietly closing the door behind her. The echo of its closing ricochets off every plain wall. Whimpering, Mother Brandy investigates the home, creating a list of everything left behind. A single chair against the counter next to the fridge, which luckily was left full. Their guest bed's mattress on the floor of their bedroom. A single roll of toilet paper. All of her books and notebooks. A kitchen cabinet full of alcohol. <laughs> At least he left me the booze. Without hesitation, she retrieves a bottle of Lucky Bastard and makes her way to her bedroom. She bites down on the cap and tugs. With a pop, the cap comes loose, and she unceremoniously spits it out onto the floor before her. With both hands, she holds the bottle firmly and drinks it back. In a single held breath, she drains the bottle down into her stomach. She stares intently at the wall before her, reconstructing, reconstructing the furnishings in her mind. She kicks off her shoes and crosses her legs. Her face begins to twitch as she fights the growing melancholy. Her eyes, exhausted from the day's weeping, are slow to create tears. Taking the pillow behind her, she buries her face in it and screams. No, I'm, I'm not drunk enough for this, Other Brandy determines. She stands and heads back to the cabinet and pulls an unopened bottle of vodka. In a sing-song voice under her breath, she says, I don't want to be alive. I just want to die today. As she fumbles with the plastic securing the bottle cap, she mutters over and over again those two phrases. Other Brandy returns to her bedroom with a now-open bottle of vodka. She places her mouth on the opening and slowly drinks mouthfuls at a time wincing and exhaling exaggeratedly after each drink. Without pause, she imbibes one mouthful after another until the bottle is empty. 
Crying out in satisfaction, masking the hopelessness in her heart, she triumphantly throws the bottle at the window, crashing it through the glass. Ah, shit. She sits down on one end of the room, but decides instead to sit at the center. She quickly stands, and as blood rushes to her head, she loses balance and stumbles. Slamming hard onto the ground, she yelps after bracing her fall with her tattered hands. Dazed, she sits on the floor and watches as the walls begin to flutter. As the sun outside the house begins to sneak below the horizon, darkness reaches into the room, touching every surface. She lies down on the mattress with her head in one corner, under the center of the room. The round light fixture above her seems to sway from side to side, subtly at first. With each movement, she notices a rich blackness crawl from where the fixture is attached to the ceiling. Like sludge, it slowly creeps along the ceiling, crawling inch by inch. When it reaches the corners where the walls are the tallest, it begins to cascade down. They begin melting before her. Stunned and frozen in her mind, she questions, what the hell? The paint on the walls peels downward in strips at first, transitioning to becoming completely covered in a blackness so devoid of light the room begins to lose its shape. As if at the center of a drain, the room begins to spin around her. She feels a tug. The mattress tries to swallow her whole. Softly from outside her bedroom, she hears a faint voice calling out, Mama? Baby, where are you? I'm coming. Other Brandy rolls off the mattress, landing face first on the floor. Her shaky arms struggle to support her attempts to push up off the ground. She draws her knees to her chest beneath her. Slowly but surely, she lifts her head up off the floor. The room spins faster now. Mama, hungry, cries the voice of her child from the nothingness outside her bedroom door. I know, baby, Mama's coming. Mama's coming. Another other brandy reassures. She reaches out to the door in front of her and shambles over slowly. The door is unlocked, and she pushes through easily. Shoot. This is the closet. Feeling drawn to the floor of the closet, she fights the urge to sit inside and close the door behind her, leaning back and stumbling back toward the bed. Mother Brandy walks along the walls until she finds her way out of the bedroom, through the bedroom door. She pokes her head through the doorway and calls out, Baby? The sound of her voice echoes in the empty house. Where are you, child? I'm coming. But I don't know where you are. There's no response. Determined, Mother Brandy heads back to the kitchen and begins opening each cabinet. One by one, she opens each door or drawer and calls out, Baby? Each one is empty as the last. Finally, she comes upon the one cabinet with anything in it. All the alcohol in the house resting in one place. Baby, are you in here? Mama, you found me. A voice resounds within her mind. She moves the bottles around at first, then retrieves each bottle and places them on the counter before her one by one. Other Brandy opens a bottle of whiskey and peers through the mouth and stares intently at the liquid therein. I can't see you, baby. Are you in there? She places the mouth of the bottle on her lips and drinks it completely. Now empty, she again stares into the depths of the brown glass bottle. There is no baby. She goes from bottle to bottle, filling her belly with distractions. Mama? She looks, and her mind recreates the house before her. She sees her sweet child sitting in a high chair at the kitchen table, shoving berries in his mouth. She looks at the sink and sees her husband bathing him and hearing him giggle as his daddy takes handfuls of soap suds and lets them float down from high above, landing on his chubby belly. Looking out of the kitchen, she sees him crawling to the couch and taking hold of it to shakily stand before losing balance and plopping hard on his diapered bottom and giggling loudly and doing it again. My baby, she musters through tears. I remember you. 
You have the sweetest laugh. You smell like joy. And your kisses are sweet. Your chunky belly is full of love. You've been taken from me, but I see you now. I know how to find you. Brother Brandy stumbles to the back door of the house, a bottle in each hand. She pushes the door open and steps out onto the back porch. I'll never let you go again, she whispers into the bottle in her right hand. She lifts it to her lips. Mama, she hears softly from the yard beyond the porch. Mama, listen, the voice continues. And then a whistle. From the darkness beyond the grass, from the trees dancing in the wind, it comes again. Mama, listen to what I can do. And a whistle. Now you. Everything inside her screams, no. Run, do not whistle back. Shush, voices. I will have my baby back, she demands. She fills her lungs with air and holds it for a moment. She whispers to herself within her mind, I'm coming, baby, and unleashes the loudest whistle she can muster. I'm here, Mama, calls a voice in the darkness. I know, baby. Here I come, she responds. The end. Wow. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah, I've never had a story written about me before. That's pretty cool. I'm sorry, say that again? I can't quite hear you. I've never had a story written about me before. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. want to know something actually really ironic? Uh, you weren't far far off on the lucky bastard there, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a Saskatchewan drink. Right. Like vodka, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I was looking up um, like local distilleries or breweries or whatever, and that mm -hmm. popped up as one. I was like, oh, let's throw that in there. Maybe. Yeah, you can find you can find them downtown. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. That's nice. crazy. That was really dark. Yeah. 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 I was like, so th the way it played out in my head from start to finish, as soon as I started writing it, it was, I, I was like, okay, this is going to be like a horror story. And mm -hmm. like, I was, like I was telling you before we started recording, um, I wrote and rewrote over and over. And like some of the, um, some of the drafts I saved separately and they're, they're all like really like intense, crazy horror stories. I'm like, whoa. Mm -hmm. let's try something else <laughs> so <laughs> no no I like what you did did there actually and it's funny funny enough maybe it's something I needed to think about today too hmm. which is even more ironic so yeah I mean um I tried what I could to make sure that the like the way that you talked about how you felt about your family and how much you loved your, your son, how mm -hmm. like you were highly motivated, you know, to, um, turn things around for you, you know, when, when, um, you didn't have custody of him for that year. Mm -hmm. I wanted to make sure that I focused, like had that as a major focus for you because I imagine <laughs> yeah, it, it was honestly so strange hearing it. Yeah, because a, a lot of it, yeah, it actually like kind of resonated with me. Okay, and so it 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 was it kind of left me a little speechless, to be honest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, in 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 what ways um, did you feel it resonating? Um, 
Well, like a lot of the parts about like feeling alone, I guess. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know when you started bringing up my son too, that just made me feel something inside. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's good. It's good. If it, if it like resonated with my emotions, then that you're doing something right as a writer. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, one of the things that I, I, I toyed with that I ended up making it to the story, um, was the, like the, the, the folklore do not whistle in the dark of night. Right. Mm-hmm. I've never actually heard of that before. Oh, really? Oh, man. I like, yeah. so it's, it's, it's a lot of different cultures, uh, mostly indigenous that have different versions of do not whistle outside at night. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, one of the, the way that the, the Inuit peoples believed it. And like, there's even a poem that I found about it where specifically is like, don't whistle at the, um, the, the lights of the Aurora Borealis, right? Oh, that one I've actually heard. Yeah, right? Yeah. And so it's like, uh, it like all of them have to do with whistling at night in some form or another because like mm-hmm. you're either calling a spirit to come take you, you're, you're, um, there's like a, a monster, monster essentially out there. For like, so for Puerto Ricans, our monster, we call him El Cucuy, right? Mm-hmm. And he lives in the forest and he takes like kids uh, to eat them and stuff. Uh, and so it like al- along those same lines, like there's the monster out waiting out there and he draws people out. Uh, there's another one specifically that re- uh, refers to like river otters. If it looks like a river otter and he's whistling at night, run mm-hmm. away sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, is it, are those kind of like tales to keep kids away from certain things? I feel like that. Yeah. I mean, to, I feel like yeah. to an extent that's, where most of those like cautionary tales come from like all right how do we get kids to not run away in the middle of the night and get eaten by a wolf i know yeah there's a monster you know so yeah um, that's actually that's super cool that you incorporated that into there too yeah yeah right thanks i just i thought it would be i thought it would be appropriate if you were at your lowest and you were you know going to give in to despair mm-hmm. i feel like that would be the way right yeah despair, yeah and calling. realistically it's like that for some people yeah 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 so i'm glad it didn't i'm glad i'm glad you're still here i'm glad you're you know i'm glad you made the other choices that have you know ultimately reunited you with your family and you you're on a good Oh path. my god, me too. I'm so glad. I don't you. I think about that every single day. Yeah. And it's funny, it's funny, like maybe I needed um a reminder today. Mm-hmm. Let's it's really cool. I've never first time I've ever heard a, like a story written about me. That was kind of crazy. Yeah. Were were you able to um were you able to see it? I try and describe things in a way that feel a little bit cinematic. So were you able to to see the picture of what was happening as I was reading through the story? Oh yeah. Yes. Like your use of, um, language Mm -hmm. was very descriptive. Okay. No, I like, I really enjoyed it. I actually, I grew up like I, I hardly passed high school, but I would always be reading a book in class Hmm. and it had nothing to do with what they were teaching me. I just liked, (laughs) I like to just read, but, um, 
Yeah, that that was great because I love uh, descriptive books. Okay. And yeah, I thought that you did really good. It good. did seem like a horror story. <laughs> good. <laughs> yeah. Good. good. Like I, I, I kind of wish that I could have like played some like somber music. Oh, and to be honest, I wrote this story while listening to like sad instrumental playlists on Spotify. Mm -hmm just to help me like maintain the headspace to not mm -hmm. try and resolve things, you know? Yes, absolutely. Um, we talked about that last time too, like how music affects your emotions, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. So yeah. All oh, right. On. It's really cool to like be a part of something like that. Thank you for asking me. Yeah. I'm so glad you, I'm, I'm glad you were willing. Thank you for giving me the chance to, tell a story about you and i mean it's it's not your story because this is like all fabricated but oh uh, yeah of course I'm, no I'm, but it's still cool to take part because this yeah. is your form of art yeah you know what i mean yeah. and like i i love participating in stuff like this right. awesome it's just really interesting because it makes you think like mm -hmm. i i love stuff that that makes you think too mm -hmm. so Do, so p part of part of uh this like endeavor for me is like i i um i think romantically i hold on to the thought that maybe as i'm uh going through this the stories that i create for people if i can tap into who they are well enough you know you get that moment of like oh i, I see myself doing this you know mm -hmm. and you have just that instantaneous did this happen this didn't happen <laughs> sort of thing you know yeah. Well, like the lucky bastard. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that, that took you to a place where like, funny. oh, I, I did that. Oh yeah. Cause I, well, yeah. We'll just say I liked vodka. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Right on. Right on. Okay. So you, you, you were, you were definitely able to like see yourself in this, um, as going through. Okay. So tell me, tell me a little bit of like what was happening inside of you going through this where were you um focused more on following along with what was happening or did you kind of like find yourself in it and like all the, the the things that i was mentioning and the things that i was tapping into were you like beginning to identify with them or was it more mm -hmm. like it was easier to just follow along and see what happened i like i like that I, I like, I just like to, I like to just sit there and listen and okay. be in the moment. And it, I was just wondering, like, I kept wondering what was going to happen next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, you know, there's like a couple parts in there that I could kind of relate to, mm. like, uh, the, the choice of alcohol. Right. And then also like some of the loneliness and stuff, you know, mm -hmm. and, uh, where, where that takes you that place that that takes you you know yeah um but yeah for the most part i it was just interesting to listen to it and see see what happened at the end of it it made me curious oh right on yeah right on so your uh your son he's four now right yeah, he's four years old he's yeah. turning five in summer was he um was he chatty when you guys, when, when all of this happened that at like at the time of, uh, like day one for, you mm -hmm. know, this, was he like a chatty baby? 
Um, you know what? I think after like what happened, I think he was kind of like quiet for a year actually. Hmm. And I think that I actually myself think that it like had an effect on him because he was, well, like he didn't have very much time with me mm-hmm. a lot. And so it did affect him like as little as he is like, and he'll never remember this part of my life. Right. Like from besides what I tell him, which I'll be honest with him about it. Like every part of it. Like yeah. I don't plan on that's like when I talk to him about drinking one day, I can explain this and be like, this is why you shouldn't indulge too much in that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, he like, he is a chatterbox now and he, it's really hard to get him to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) He just talks and talks and talks. So he's a really good kid. What's, what's his favorite snack? His favorite what? Snack. Oh, anything with sugar. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I tried my hardest not to give him um, sugar, but yeah. His favorite snack. I don't know. He likes those little cheese crackers. Oh, really? Okay. Except, yeah. He'll just like eat the inside of the cheese, like the right cheese crackers. So and then he split them the and then chew on the little cheddar bits and then get rid of the crackers. Yeah. He will take them and like roll them into a little ball like a weirdo. Nice. Yeah, (laughs) he's he's a funny kid oh man kids are so silly i was recently talking with somebody and we were trying to think of like what were the grossest things that you ate as a kid oh no no yeah and not like you know did you eat worms like the snack like just the weird food combinations as a kid that you were just super into so like for me i loved peanut butter and pickle sandwiches oh i've heard of this yeah I, I've heard of I, this. I loved him. I loved. I knew him. a kid in grade eight that used to do that, and I was. It's weird that you say that. I was thinking about that a couple of days ago, and I was like, "That is that appealing?" <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I don't give it. Give it. A, give it a try. It's. It's. I don't know. There's something about the, you know, the the creamy, peanut butter mixed with that, you know, briny vinegary. I, I could see it. it. I could see it. Yeah. I don't know why I loved it, but I really, really did. I haven't had one in a long time, though. I don't know. For whatever reason, I just decided, no, I'm not going to do this. Just try it out again. Mm-hmm. What about you? What was, um, what was a snack you had as a kid? Or, like, your favorite treat as a kid that was, like, they, looking back and you're like, oh, that's ridiculous. Oh. Anything with sugar. <laughs> okay. I would just, I don't know. I was not at like a picky kid. Like I would just, oh, okay. I don't know. what did I like? Mm-hmm. I don't even know. So your, your son is, he's, no, well, we like then. used to have butter and celery sometimes. Butter and celery. Okay. <laughs> That's a weird thing. Hey? That's or I don't know. I don't think I really, I would just eat anything. I wasn't like a picky kid or mm. Like, I didn't really dislike anything. Okay. Yeah, so I just kind of ate whatever. All right. <laughs> I'm into that. So our, like, our treat after school, right, and this was, like, the height of our, like, middle school years, the, the treat that we could have that we were all really excited for was a slice of toast with a little bit of butter, and uh, a sprinkle of cinnamon sugar. 
Oh, oh, that at my grandma's house. Oh, yeah. Well, there is nothing better than that. It's so simple and delicious and absolutely. Oh, man, <laughs> we would like come home from school and throw our jackets and our bags on the floor and then just run straight to the kitchen <laughs> and make ourselves and Oh my goodness, I have to I have to do this for my kid now. Yeah. <laughs> took me back. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hilarious. It's so silly, but it's so it's so good. It's yeah. What's, you know what's what? A lot of the the best things are like so simple, like that. I yeah. Like. Yeah. Yeah, and like I think the I think the way that I I look at them, uh, and the way that I look at a lot of things like that, is like you'll have restaurants that will label themselves as comfort food restaurants, right? Mm -hmm. My favorite kind of food is poor people food. <laughs> <laughs> poor people are really, really clever at creating delicious treats, you know, that are often, you know, eventually like taken over by rich people, but poor people food, I mean, they know what's up. Like most of the things that I love, like started off as poor people food, like biscuits and gravy and, yeah, um, and like even shrimp and lobster. Nobody ate that stuff. Those are cockroaches. <laughs> um, like shrimp and grits, things of that nature. I, I love all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, I think you. I think you have to be be clever here with mm -hmm. what you eat. Yeah. Yeah. And most yeah. of the stuff that you like to eat are like not good for you either. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's what comfort food is. You want something that that makes your brain feel good too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a nickname for your son? For my for my kid. Yeah. Um. No, no. <laughs> I just call him by his name. I'll yeah. call him. It depends on the day because sometimes I call him by his full name. <laughs> sure, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Then he oh, you know what? Him. I call him baby a lot, actually. You do call him baby? Okay. Yeah. Nice. Or kiddo. There's a lot of things I call him, actually. It's hard to think of sometimes when you're just on the spot. Oh, all right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I call him. I call him. Well, I call him lots of stuff. Sweetie. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I guess like pretty much I don't call him cupcake, but <laughs> it's close enough what I said. That's fair. That's fair. Cupcake. Yeah. I don't think I've But ever... I try to like I really yeah, I try to build him up a lot too, so I'll call him I always make sure that he knows he's a big boy now. Ooh. So he has to learn to do stuff by himself. Yeah. Um, nice. Yeah. I don't know. That's pretty much it, I guess. Well, that's fair. My my sister um, she has, uh, three boys and, uh, her middle oh, boy that she always just call him monkey. Like not even my monkey, the monkey. She would just be like, Hey monkey, come here, monkey. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. cute. And like, yeah, my uh, sister actually calls my niece that too. Yeah. Nice. I like that. That's probably why I kind of refrained from using it. Cause in my mind it was my niece's name already. Ah, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Nice. I like if I ever have kids, I, I feel like I'm going to I had this one friend who uh, his kids, his kids, he would just call them. Oh, child of mine. <laughs> that's that's it. Yeah, that's that's his. I'm like, why do you do that? He's like, oh, I just like that song. Sweet child of mine. You know that one? Yeah. So. Yeah. I'm like, All right. Yeah, well, if you have if you have more than one, I'm sure you just lose track after that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's yeah. that's that's something that we would go through so my mom 
would call us all every other name besides oh, yeah, ours. Yeah, yeah. My mom even called us our dog, our <laughs> dogs. <laughs> Man, that's rough. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's rough. Did you have, uh, do you have a lot of siblings too? Or I'm one of five. Yeah. Oh man, me too. Yeah. 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 One of five. So like we would get all of them like boom, 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 boom. Ah, who, who which one are you? I'm, I'm Daniel. I'm Daniel. <laughs> oh, Daniel, come over here. Okay. <laughs> so are you, where do you sit? Are you like the oldest or are I'm you like middle. partial middle or youngest? I'm the middle. I have two older sisters and then a younger oh, sister and a baby brother. Yeah. Where do you sit? Yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm also kind of the middle because there's two generations. Right, right. Um, of us. So it was like, I, I would have just, I guess growing up, I would have just been the middle because there was three of us. But oh. then when you add the other three in there, um, then I like get to be the second oldest. So it's like, I got to switch places nice. later in life. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, yes. <laughs> new responsibilities into it into it yeah yeah right on right on. how so how old were you i think we we touched on this just a little bit how old were you when the second set of uh kids was born i was 18 okay so yeah. you got to live your entire childhood as the middle child absolutely nice what's up All middle, middle child? children out there no <laughs> yeah middle children do you exhibit all of those the traits of middle children peacemaker and vying for attention oh, absolutely yeah <laughs> nice nice yeah yeah no most of the time i try i mean now that i'm like i i love to like turning 30 because i just i didn't care about the peacemaking as much anymore okay okay mm. yeah i think i've always been someone to like um go against the grain and yeah. for no reason other than i'm i'm I've always been like, no, you tell me I have to like something. I hate it. So like the Beatles, I grew up hating the Beatles just because yeah. everyone told me like, no, they're the greatest band. I'm like, no, they suck. I hate them. You're wrong. Are they, are they the greatest? I don't know. That, pff, not, not according to most of my life, me. I mean, they're fine, but I, anytime someone said, no, the greatest band, it's the Beatles. I'm like, no, you're wrong. I hate them. They're terrible. You're bad. Yeah. So like, I think I was always more of a troublemaker than a peacemaker you know mm -hmm. a little bit of an instigator like oh you guys are gonna fight you should fight yeah you two you guys are saying things to each other and i the only way to solve it is to punch each other <laughs> <Do that>. <laughs> as a kid just yeah. making trouble for oh, no reason instigator, huh? yeah i mean just i think just because i needed to rebel against oh middle children they're the peacemakers they like it when no fight i don't care mm -hmm. I'll, I'll throw pennies at the winner how's that you can have some pennies. <laughs> buy yourself some candy. Yeah. yeah. So is there anything else about the story that stands out to you? No, I think all of it, all of it was really, like, really well done. Cool. And Thank like you. I said, I was, like, really thankful uh, to participate in something like this. Mm -hmm. Like, it was really, I knew to expect something dark out of it. So that helped me prepare. Okay, good. But a lot of it really did resonate because it was, like, you know, what would have happened if it was like alternate, you know, and something it, just kind of a flashback in a sense, you know? Mm. Yeah. So I'm thankful for that because it's just like another reminder of why I'm doing what I'm doing. And that's really important to have for me.
right on right on yeah so thank you yeah I like I, I actually really appreciated it a lot and um yeah just keep going against the grain <laughs> doing what you think is good you know how we do you know how we do <laughs> making trouble yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's funny because I actually I went from being like so um, afraid to try anything to mm. just being that person that will try everything at least once. And it's it feels so good to be that way. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right on. Yeah, right on. Cool. I think this is a this is a good place to wind things down and bring bring it all together. Um. That being said, for those of you listening, um, I just want to um, mention, based on some of the content that we talked about, um, especially insofar as dealing with thoughts of or attempts of suicide, uh, reach out. There are lots of resources. For example, here in the States, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. Talk to your friends if you need to. Talk to your family. Talk to somebody. There's help. Not all of us get it, but there's there's help out there. There's hope. Thank you so much, Brandy, for being a part of the show. I'm profoundly grateful that I was able to um, experience this with you, to have you on, and to explore this type of storytelling. Thank you uh, for being a part of that. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Mm -hmm. Just as much. Cool beans. Yeah. All right. So with that, we will bring other Brandy to a close. Uh, please, again, follow her on the social medias. If you're on TikTok, if you're on Instagram, if you have a uh, Facebook, you can check out her like page. Again, it is Brandy Jones, Indigenous Artist. All together. Look her up. You'll find her. She's there. Uh, check out her work. Uh, pick up her stuff if when she sells stuff. Um, but yeah, engage in, in the growing community, especially as far as she's trying to build this togetherness and oneness with her art. So let's celebrate that. Um, cool. But, uh, for Brandy, I am D follow us on Twitter at other you podcast, but for now we out, come back next week for another episode. Bye. Bye.